I know the message this morning is having impact. Having impact. What is impact? Well, when you hear the word impact, there's probably what we call a word picture taking place in your mind right now. When I say impact, something is coming to your mind. Maybe it's thing like one vehicle colliding into another vehicle resulting in two smashed vehicles. You ever witnessed that? That's impact. I was, at least three or four times since I've moved to Rochester, I've witnessed horrific accidents right in front of me. Right outside Walmart, one guy came and boom, and all of a sudden just smashed the whole front end of a truck. Another day I was kind of over off uh, West Henry at a road, and another guy came and I watched a, side, a truck turn sideways after hitting another one, rolled over like twice. When you witness something like that, it, it, it's like, wow. But maybe it's a collision. Maybe it's a sledgehammer forcefully hitting a spike, driving it deep into place. I can remember in my younger years working in the hills of Pennsylvania and building log cabins and there these 14-inch spikes and we'd lay the log on and all of a sudden, you know, five-pound sledges and all day long. You know, and as I, it became a competition to see how many hits we could do to drive the spike in, but you just impact, boom, 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 till the job was done. Maybe impact to you is a lone meteorite falling from atmosphere creating an enormous hole. That's impact. Right? But what is impact, really? Someone walking in the dark late at night being scared out of their skin when someone jumps out and screams at them. Impacts you the rest of your life. Now you're afraid of dark and think that some boogeyman's going to jump out every time you go out in the dark alone. It impacts you. But by definition, impact is contact between two or more objects or people with force, often producing great effect. So when one vehicle collides with another one, it has two objects with force with an enormous effect. When a sledgehammer hits that spike, it's one force hitting two objects creating an effect that seals it in place. A meteorite, one object falling to earth, another object with great force, the effect, that big hole. By definition, it's Objects or people hitting one another or itself or, or the other object with force creating an effect, an enormous effect oftentimes. But I wonder if we were to think of impact in terms of biblical or spiritual terms as it relates to our life, what might come to mind then? What if we just, rather than talking about physical ideas of what impact is and what it looks like and how it affects us, what if we were to relate that to our religiousness? And that's a bad term because I don't like religion. We should be in a relationship. But when we relate it to how we work out our relationship with Jesus Christ, what kind of impact might we have on this life that we live in? What effect might my faith, one object, have with another object, another person, or their life, if it hit them with force, which is our faith, our words, our actions, etc.? At minimum, things, some things would change, right? If if, there's, if impact has two objects, and one object is our faith, and the other object is the person around us, a circumstance around us, and we meet it with force, which is our faith, what might be the difference? Something should be different, right? Could we agree with that much? There should be a change. There should be something that is different. So maybe <clears throat> if the impact that we're looking for has to do with our neighbors, it's my object, meaning another object, which is my neighbor, what might be the effect 
of the force of that relationship. Or our relatives, our co-workers, our immediate family, our communities, our world. What impact, if any, is our life making for eternity? Think about that. You know, it doesn't really matter how long we live. We want our life to count for something, right? Thank you, three of you. I hope all of us, and I'm not trying to be sarcastic, but we want our life to count, right? I mean, nobody wants to die, whether it's at 30 years old or 40 years old or 70 years old, and say, oh, well, they lived a life, but it really didn't have any impact on anybody. Nobody really cared that they were here. Nobody wants that life, right? We want our life to count. We want our life to have an impact. We want our life to make a difference because we were here, because we were born, because for many of us, we came to life in Christ. We want that to have an impact on the world that we live in. So I'm praying that this will be an incredible year of impact for God and the folks of Harvest Bible Fellowship. God allows circumstances in our life that make us to evaluate our lives once in a while. I'm telling you, life looks a little bit different at 70 than it does at 20. Right? Because at 70, you pretty well know that you have more days behind you than you have in front of you. And at 20, you think you got your whole world, but that may not be the case. It might be the case, but it may not be the case. And so we don't think about leaving a legacy. We don't think about having an impact on the world that we live in. But then sometimes God allows things in our lives that make us evaluate. And if we're wise, reprioritize so that we can have the greatest amount of impact while we're here to do the impacting with God's help. So the reality is, what are we doing that would create an opportunity to have an impact in the world that we live for the cause of Christ? I don't think any of us really, if we're honest with ourselves, we don't want to get to the end and say, oh, well. We want to have a life that's when it's looked upon and say, hey, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So last week we saw the Apostle Paul went through so much for the cause of Christ. He was beaten, scourged. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned. And while writing many of the epistles, he was imprisoned. And by the way, I'm not implying that we have to go through what Paul went through to have an impact, because that's not true. We know that, right? I don't have to be shipwrecked. I don't have to be beaten. I don't have to go to prison for my faith just to have an impact. Our actions must be intentional if we want to live a life that is going to have an internal impact. That's where it counts. That's where it matters. Our actions must be intentional if we want to live a life that has eternal impact. So our actions must be intentional. If they're not, chances are we'll get to the end of our life, whether it's 30 years, 40 years, 70 years, 100 years, whatever it is, and say, oh, well, they're here. They were here. Well, what did they do? Well, I don't really know. It doesn't really matter. They didn't really do anything. See, it's not about building it for ourselves. It's about letting God use us to do something for his glory. However, in doing so, Paul impacted generations and centuries for the cause of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that for a moment? Can you imagine having an impact that would last for generations and centuries after your death? I mean, think about that. Can you imagine for a moment being the one that led D.L. Moody to the Lord? C.H. Spurgeon? Or anyone else for that matter? Whether you heard of them or not having an impact on someone's life spiritually because you chose to speak to them, because you chose to share the gospel. 
because you chose to impact them with your life, allowing it to touch their life with the force of the gospel and the Holy Spirit. What can God use of yours to help us live a life that produces impact? I'm going to go out on a limb, and my list is not exhaustive, but let me just give you four of them. Four things that God can use, and I think he typically uses one, of the, one or more of these four things amongst others, um, but I'm only going to mention four. Number one, our time. So I'm going to jump around to a few scriptures here. Um, Matt, if you want to put them up there, you can, but I'm going to kind of, for time's sake, just kind of fly through some of them, and I may just help, help look at yours a little bit as well here, just for time's sake. But in Matthew chapter 74, I'm sorry, Psalm chapter 74, Verses uh, 16 and 17, it says this. The day is yours, also the night. You established the moon and the sun. You set all the boundaries of the earth. You made summer and winter. He said, the day is yours. God gives us this day, and what are we supposed to do with it? He's given every one of us the same amount of time. You say, well, you know, there's different things that come up. There's different things that we can be a part of. There's different things that we can do, and... Well, so-and-so will probably do it because they have more time than I've got. My family's bigger. I have to spend more time at work. And all those things may be necessarily true. But I think at the end of the day, a lot of times it just comes down to excuses. We all have the same amount of time. We all have the same amount of minutes, hours, days, weeks, months. You, You know, we have the same amount given to us, apart from God taking us from this earth, that we can give to some sort of purpose. Uh, what's the next verse? Or Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16 says what? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Do you find things in life are getting better as you watch the news? Are the amount of murders decreasing or increasing? Are, are those, are the, are the, well, I won't say the, are the crazy, ridiculous things that you're seeing in the news, are they getting better? No. The days are getting more and more increasingly evil. And he says, because of the day, because of what's happening, redeem the time. In other words, make the most use of it. So all of us, with the time that God has given us, what are you doing with it? Literally, what are we doing with the time that God gives us? I'm just telling you, and I'm here to tell you, remind all of us, myself included, that if the doctor came in tomorrow and says, you've got three weeks to live because the cancer has advanced that much in your body, you would change some things, wouldn't you? What would we change? We would maybe start opening up about our faith and say, you know what? Hey, I want to tell you what God's done in my life. I want you to know that you can see me again someday in heaven if you trust Jesus Christ. We would open our mouth and do something different. I'm I'm certain of it. You get your finances in order. You try to do what you can to protect the loved ones who are going to be behind you if you know. See, circumstances change. But what are you doing to redeem the time? And especially for the cause of Christ, to have impact in the world that we live in. How about Matthew chapter 12? I'm almost there, Matthew chapter 12. Oh, I was almost there. 12 verses uh, 36. says, I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. Wow. That's going to be a scary day. But we're going to come back to that one in a minute. But it says, you, 
for by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. That's the second area, our talk. How can we have impact in our talk? I, let, me, let me go to that. Psalm 39.1. Psalm 39.1. There's some good verses about our talk in the, in the Word of God. Psalm 39 and verse 1. So I will guard my ways so that my, I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle as long as the wicked are in my presence. I don't know about you, but when the wicked are in my presence, I want to say something. Anybody else? When you see stupidity, do you want to just scream sometimes? When people are doing dumb things that are sinful, do you want to just scream? He says, I'll guard it. I'll be careful with it. I'll protect it. Why? Because now we, are, we have a testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. How we respond to those things that we hear or see are around us. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 and 30. Ephesians 4, 29. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need, so that it gives grace to those who hear and don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You are sealed by Him for the day of redemption. Then he goes on to say, Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you as, along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Our words... Our words will have impact either positively or negatively. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever experienced somebody saying some very hurtful, negative things to you before? Wow. <laughs> I think everybody in the room. Shaking your head or waving, putting your hand up. You know, it's, it, here's the interesting thing about it. How many of you that's happened to years and years ago? Raise your hand again. Wow. Almost all of you. Isn't it amazing what we don't forget? You know what that's called? Impact. Somebody said something. It was hurtful. There's one object, their words, hitting your heart with force. And what's the effect? Something you have a hard time getting rid of in your thoughts. Conversely, how many of you ever had somebody say something kind to you? And you really appreciate it because it affected you. And how many of that, once again, happened years in the past? Yeah. And an amazing thing, you still remember it. You know what that's called? Impact. So you can use your time to have impact in the world that you live in. You can use your talk to have impact in the world that you live in. Um, look at one more. Colossians chapter 4. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Chapter 4 and verse 6. He says, Let your speech sometimes be gracious. Is that what he says? Always. He says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Well, you know what that takes? Patience. Because sometimes we just want to talk. 
Have you ever had that person come to you? For me, it's been my wife on a couple occasions. Because I'm a man, and I try to fix things. My wife will come to me, knowing that I'm a man and I like to fix things, and say, I'm just going to tell you something. I'm not looking for a solution. I just want to air it real quick. Well, what's the sense in airing something if you don't want a solution to it? Tables turned. You're a woman. You've got to talk. You just want to tell me about it. I know it's all going to work out, but I want to help you make it work out faster. And she says, that's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> right? Isn't that how it works? Sometimes the best thing to say is nothing. Let your talk reflect that which is most spiritual. Well, you know what they did? Yeah, we know what they did. It's all over the news. Or we know what they did? Yeah, it's all over the Facebook. Uh, yeah, we know what they did. Everyone's been yakking about it. Sometimes it doesn't need to be said again. Sometimes you just need to shut up about it. To have the right kind of impact in the world that we live in. How about our talents? How could God use the talents? I, I'm amazed that, you know, I, I don't think any of those people, whether they're the elderly women with things on their neck or standing in the water line, passing the bowls of water, or the little children, or the middle-aged guys, and let me just say this, guys, what are you doing? Why is it that churches all across America are filled with women in leadership positions? I could answer that, but it's an obvious answer, isn't it? Because we need men who are willing to stand up and get involved and get busy doing the work of the ministry. We need men who are saying, you know what, I'm not too cool for this. We need men who say, I want to spend time in God's Word. We need men who are saying, I want to learn, which is what we're going to be dealing with next week in 2 Timothy 2. We need men who will say, I will fill the gap. But we're willing to use our talents for the Lord. And, well, James 2 says, faith without works is what? Dead. I'm not going to go there. You know the passage. See, if I... Going back to an old illustration from when I was a younger parent, when I tell my kids to clean the room, they say, I will. I said, go clean your room. I'll get to it. Take out the trash. I'll get to it later. What happens when they start just saying, I'll do it later, I'll do it later, I'll do it later? We get frustrated, right? I think God feels. Just saying. He's our Heavenly Father. We're His spiritual children. And we say, I'll do it later. Get more involved later. But literally, what's the old phrase? Actions speak louder than words. I can remember my dad very vividly saying, do it now. Do it now. I'll get to it. Do it now. Clean your room. Do it now. Take out the trash. Do it now. Why? Because I was being a procrastinator. And he knew me better than I knew me. I can have the best of intentions. I, I, I plan with all my heart and being, I'm going to get to it. Anybody else been there? Right. But our talents, 1 Peter chapter 4. Almost there. 1 Peter 4, verse 10. Says, just as each one has received a gift, 
Use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me let me just kind of like break that down to like, it's like in just plain, simple English. What does each one mean? You ever thought about that? Anybody got a good answer for that? What does each one mean? Everybody. Everybody in this room, right? All of us has received a gift, a talent, an ability that God has blessed you with. What are you doing with it? Man, I've met so many people who say, well, I used to fill in the blank. I used to teach. I used to help out with children's church. I used to fill in the blank. I used to. Then you get to the point where you graduate onto supervisory roles. I may not be good at it, but I have an opinion about how they're doing it. Man, that's hard. I've been there. Critical of how other people do it, but not doing it myself. Because God knows you could do it better. But they're doing it. We'll let them do it. What has God blessed you with that he's wanting to use? 1 Corinthians 4, I believe it is, reminds us that Everything that you've been given is from God. So use it to glorify him. He says, if you're going to boast, boast in the glory of God. So if you've got an ability, a talent, a skill, what are you doing with it? One more. I know it's getting late. Some of you are worried about lunch, and I understand. Proverbs chapter 3. I want you all to turn there. So we said God usually uses one of the one or more of these four areas. He uses our time, he uses our talk, he uses our talents, but he also uses our treasures. Proverbs chapter three, verse nine, ten says, Honor the Lord with your say it with me, possessions, and with the first produce of your entire harvest, then your barns will be completely filled. What's he saying here? He said, If you'll put me first with your stuff, I'll make sure you have the stuff that you need. Has God ever failed us? Has he ever failed you? I don't think he's going to start now. I just don't think he's going to start. Anybody agree? He's faithful. I mean, there's a ton of verses here, but look at, okay, Ecclesiastes. Since you asked, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, chapter 5, and verse 19. Actually, look at me, let me go back to verse 18, because it's really cool, too. Ecclesiastes 5, 18 says, Here is what I have seen to be good. It is appropriate to eat, drink, and experience good in all the labor one does under the sun during the few days of his life God has given him. Because that's his reward. He says, listen, if you have the ability to enjoy the life that God has given you, Awesome! Why, why be robbed of that? That's from God, right? I mean, let's, let's be honest. That's from God. He's blessed us. Enjoy the life that he's been able to give you because you've worked hard. That's a reward, right? Nothing wrong with that. But look at the next verse. Uh, let me find it here now. Verse 19. Verse 20. Furthermore, verse 19. Furthermore, everyone... 
everyone to whom God has given riches and wealth, he has also allowed him to enjoy them, take his reward, and rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God, for he does not often consider the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with the joy of his heart. He says, if you'll, if you'll just honor me with what you've got, you'll enjoy it at the same time. That's the joy you're going to have in your heart. So, furthermore, everyone to whom God has given riches and wealth. So where does our riches and wealth come from? Oh, yeah, there you go. It comes from God. So he says, enjoy them. This is the gift of God, for he does not often consider the days of his life. We don't know when the days are going to come. So whatever days you have, with whatever you have, honor God with it, and he'll bless you in return. But so often we look at life as if, well, it's this my stuff. Go over to just a chapter over, chapter 6, verse 2. It says, God gives a person riches, wealth, and honor. Why? So that he lacks, what is it? Nothing. God just loves us that much. Isn't that awesome? Says all that he desires for himself, but God does not allow him to enjoy them. Instead, a stranger will enjoy them. This is futile. See, when we have the wrong perspective, then it's wrong, and then we're robbed of it. What's your perspective? Second Timothy really teaches a lot, and we're not going to get into all that today. But one more, Matthew chapter six. And verses nineteen and twenty. says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Wait a minute. He said he's given us all things. If we have wealth, if we have materialism, if we have all these things, they're from him, right? So we're to honor him with them. But he says at the same time, you're not here on this earth just to store it all up, right? The goal is, and the game is not just to see how much you can get. That's not the goal. The goal is to honor God with what he gives you. And if you will honor God with it, he says, I'll allow you to enjoy everything I, that you have back. But he doesn't stop there. Verse 20. He says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what's the test of whether or not God has me has my treasures? Where's your heart? Where do you invest your funds, your materialism, your wealth? What's the purpose of them? Does God get any of it? I was amazed this week when I watched the video. They do so much with so little. And we have so much and do so little in comparison. Can I get an amen? Man, talking about squeezing a nickel into a dime. I mean, it's just, just reality for them. They don't have the luxury of credit. They don't have the luxury of running down to Home Depot. They don't have the luxury of trade unions that just calling them up and say, hey, I need 20 workers to get this building erected. They all jump in. So two or more forces. 
Let's put this back into the realm of where we live. Two or more forces or objects or people. Can you imagine what kind of an effect it would have if you as an object or a person or a force using your time, your talents, your treasure, your talks with those around us, the circumstances of life, impacting them with the force of the gospel, the force of the Holy Spirit, the force of what God has entrusted to us to be stewards of, what that effect might be. Can you imagine? I don't think we can fathom what it would really be if all of us would consider that together as a church. He said, I'm praying. I'm praying that this would be the greatest year we ever see as a church. I want to see God do something. I want to see the effects of the impact of two or more objects, two or more people, two or more circumstances coming together with force and what that effect might be. Anyone else? I want to see that. So impact can have two types of effect, positive or negative. I want to have the type of impact that would please God. Two types of effects, positive or negative. I want to have the type that would please God. I want the same for Harvest Bible Fellowship for each every one of you. I said a few weeks ago that pastors live with unmet, unmet expectations. And immediately some people think, oh, well, he wants more money, he wants more time off, he wants more this, more that. It had nothing to do with any of that. I want more for you. I want you to see God at work in your life. I want you to experience a close relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to feel the blessing of saying, I fully committed myself to God. I fully surrendered myself to his work, his service, his ministry. And this is what I saw God do because of it. I want you to experience that. It's so awesome. Going to Africa twice in the last six years or so, seven years. Going to India and seeing villages like this. And to be able to have just a small little input, just a tiny little speck on the timeline of eternity to say, man, I got to experience that. God doing something great. Something bigger than ourselves. I get to be a part of it. And you can too. See, it's not like being the Apostle Paul and being shipwrecked, stoned, beaten, scourged, imprisoned. You don't, get enough, you don't have to do any of that to have impact. What you do have to do is give your life to God and surrender and commitment. That's where it starts. But then allowing God to use your time, your talents, your treasures, your talk to have an impact on those around you. And can you imagine being like Paul? Having an impact that would last generations? Your kids, your grandkids, their kids and grandkids. The decisions that you make can have an impact either positively or negatively for generations to come. What will you choose? If you ever wondered, can my time make an impact? It can. 
If you've ever wondered, can my talents make an impact? They can. If you've ever wondered, can my treasure have an impact? Yes, it can. If you've ever wondered, can my talk have an impact on another person? Yes, it can. But only if you surrender them to God and let Him work through you. Folks, there's nothing that you have not heard before in this message in one shape or another. But if you've ever wondered where our little bit of monthly income goes to Sele, to, to Sanja and Ele Muño in little village of Lome, outside of Lome, Togo, West Africa. If you've ever wondered, does my little bit to the offering and what we contribute to missions, does it have an impact? Yes, it does. It's incredible. Just since we took them on, two new churches and two new villages. You know what we give them? $50 a month. It's not a lot. In fact, I think, Paul, what do we give Alan in Sunday school? 37 a month? 27 a month. Okay? $27 a month. The guy that got the motorcycle, we're supporting him $27 a month through our Sunday school. Think what they're doing with what little bit they get. But when everyone works together, the impact is great. I want that kind of an impact in the world that we live in. I think we make things way too complicated. I really do. These guys are starting churches on every, underneath trees all over the place. And they just faithfully stick at it. Small group. Turns into a little bit bigger group, turns into a little bit bigger group, turns into a little bit bigger group, and then the next thing you know, they got a fellowship formed, and well, they're putting up a hut. You realize in parts of Africa, and I'm losing the, the, the country, but they can put up a shelter for $2,000 that will cover 100 people with bench seats underneath it. What does $2,000 do here in America? Not much. But man, they stretch it. And everybody gets involved. The kids are carrying sand. The kids are carrying water. The young men, guys, think about it. The young men. We have young men here. Young men, what are you doing to have impact? What are we doing to work together for impact? You see, I don't want to be too critical on the elderly because the strength of their youth is not there any longer. They got more wisdom and experience, but we need the muscle and the grit of the young men too to learn from the older. Amen? Can I get an amen, guys? But we all need to do our part. Impact. Positive or negatively, we need to surrender ourselves to God so that we can have the right impact that pleases Him. Amen?